Okay, welcome back to, I guess, episode two of Four Peeps, One Brain Cell. I am Ashley. We've got Sydney hosting again, and then we have Max and Haley. And we are on our second part of uh, All the Light We Cannot See. Yay. (laughs) Woo! So let's jump straight into it with our questions. Please, I have work. So with the character. So um, how does the textual detail reveal nuances and complexities in, in the characters' relationships with one another? We're just going to do like one overarching thing, and then as we explain the big picture thing, we'll go over each small point. Well, I mean, I guess the big thing here is... Well, the big thing I can think of is Marie's kind of dwindling relationship with her dad. Now that her dad has kind of, like, gone missing and stuff. Yeah. Now that she she has just kind of left. She definitely sees Manek as, like, a mom figure. Um, And then, of course, you see that's running to a sister after so long. You see a lot more of uh, Werner and Frederick, like, how they're interacting with each other. Um, obviously they were good enough friends that Frederick invited him to stay with him when they went home. Oh, wait. Yeah. Hello? But at the same time, at the same time, later on, Frederick's like, hey, um, I kind of think we shouldn't be friends because I don't want these guys making fun of you because you're super cool. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's he's actively pushing Werner away because he doesn't think that he's good enough to be friends with Werner. But at least Werner is still, like, a cool dude. Like, he still shines his shoes and he, like, helps make his bed and things like that just to help around knowing that his friend is going through rough times, you know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then he gets mega depressed, you know, whenever he finds out that Frederick is not okay whatsoever after those guys beat him up, you know? Yeah. I mean, if someone crapped on my bed, I don't think I'd be okay. <laughs> Yeah. No, if someone cracked my Um, skull open, I don't think I'd be okay with it either. Uh, I think something that's kind of interesting about Marie and her like her kind of relationship with her father, how it's like kind of come to a standstill, is how they're writing her kind of like response to his letters. Because I mean, when you look at his letters, it's very obvious that it's. I don't think like it's not him writing those letters, right? Like, it's, yeah. it seems pretty obvious that it's yeah, it some is. German dude writing the letters, and if trying to is, make it seem like he's okay. And if it is him writing the letter, very heavily lying about, yeah. like, the things that are happening to protect Marie more. I yeah. think it's him, but he's heavily lying because he keeps talking about what's inside the house. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The stone. But either way, it's still not this annual that we knew. Oh, no. You know. Most oh, yeah. Not. See, I personally think that it's a like a German dude, some kind of German soldier or something, yeah. writing the letters for him. Because I feel like if it was her dad, he, I feel like there would be some. You would see some kind of censoring, like you do with Werner's letters to his sister. Mm-hmm. You know, you see those black bars where they've censored things before sending it. I feel like you'd get that same response with her dad. Well, he's not mm-hmm. even supposed so that's to be... where I'm standing. I mean, he's not even really supposed to be writing the letters. It discusses at some points how, like, he he's having to ask this one person to send the letters. Yeah, the yeah, angel. Yeah, his quote-unquote angel, yeah. Yeah. 
and the things he says in the letters like he doesn't say what exactly what he's talking about he just like puts hints like he knows like if someone opens this it's gonna get censored mm-hmm. yeah it does feel like if it is him writing that he's like dropping hints like something's not right something's too good to be true but i think it's really interesting seeing her kind of like relate to these letters because you think about it she is hearing she doesn't hear these hints that like madame manek might see when she's reading it because marie is only hearing it she's not seeing how he's writing it he's she doesn't get to hear it over and over and over again so when she's hearing it she's hearing oh i'm perfectly dandy fine living my best life and you're stuck in uh saint malo with your aunt with your uh uncle who is kind of crazy sucks to be you so i can see why marie has like each letter comes in she's just kind of being more like i don't want to go out anymore i don't want to do this i just want to lay in my bed and be sad okay anything else we want to talk about for character no i think we're good with that one yeah all right we're well, gonna move on to setting then yep rooney mm-hmm. all righty setting Describe the relationship between a character and a setting. <laughs> Cassie, please. Oh, Cassie, so please. Squeaky. So squeaky. Um, okay. She scared me half to death. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm surprised my dog didn't bark in response. Um, I mean, you know, Marie's under attack and does all the spy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. while, you know, helping Manek with the revolt in France, up until her passing. That little and, re- old lady's revolt that they did, so cute, might I say. It's the cutest thing. <laughs> I loved it. Like, like putting dog poop in front of the door for a soldier to step in. Oh my gosh. Like, these little things. Yeah. Her writing free France on the, like, dollar bills. I just... Uh, it's little things like that, I just like... That one. When you think, when you look at it at first, you're like, "That's kind of ridiculous. What's that gonna do?" But then you think of those soldiers constantly passing money that says "Released France" on that. It's like that's gonna annoy you at least somewhat, you know? Oh yeah, it's such a pure mm-hmm. like, especially when they see it over and over again. It- yeah, something I wanted to point out. It's not really in the book, but I just think it's a cool fact. Is that during World War Two? America released stamps into the German postal system, which mm-hmm. had, you know, Hitler on them, like all of their stamps did. But they, I can send you a picture of it later, but it has him with a skull on his face. And they used that as psychological warfare to subliminally, like, trick the Germans into thinking, oh, this guy's not cool. And I just think that's yeah. pretty neat. And it reminds oh. me of it. Fun I fact. feel like this book does. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this book does such a great job with remembering that it's a that it's in a time period and that this book is based around the specific time period. It does a really good job at putting in these tiny facts that you would only know from studying the war. Yeah. And they don't make it painful. They make it to where if you keep remembering it, you don't forget that you're in the war in the middle of this huge war, but they don't make it painfully obvious like other books do. Mm-hmm. Going back to the going back to the conversation with the setting stuff, it's also like Werner. <laughs> um, he starts the thing feel- about Werner with me. I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, you're good. You're good. You go. Uh, the thing about Werner with me, you know, he's 
he's at this school, which is besides the point. But the fact that it's constantly like it's constantly showing it to be cold and winter and snow and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the fact that it's so symbolic of yeah. of death, of kind of like fading away and stripping things away from someone. And that whole and I feel like it's I feel like it's very symbolic of Werner's strip, like his consciousness and his idea of right and wrong is being like stripped away from him. Yeah, and there's also like that whole thing with the literal like person that they keep throwing cold water on until he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then leaving him then in the middle of. Him. Like, yeah, and also he stops writing to Utah, like basically ending their sibling relationship because she's yeah. like why why yeah. don't you write me and he's like dang i just haven't written her to her in six months eh whatever i'm in here and then you've got the opposite going on with marie you know marie's in this pretty summery setting she goes to the beach pretty much every day now she's chilling and i feel like it's a lot more symbolic of how it's like the way they describe it they describe it as she's free but she's not free yeah at least she's still like in like she's like you know the beach is always always symbolic of just motion and freedom and exploration and stuff like that but the fact that it's so but then you've got the fact that you're you're in a german occupied city and you're walking the beach picking up seashells it just feels very um statement wise very very purposeful yeah yeah like she never gets in the water that's why she's close to it but like not Mm -hmm. I also think it's very interesting that since Werner's setting is very cold and dark and stuff, and Marie's is very light and airy, I think that's very interesting that the ones that are being invaded are the ones that are actually enjoying themselves, you know, looking at the snails, having a good time, eating bread, you know, while Werner, who's supposed to be doing this for his country and everything, he's not the one under attack, but he still feels much more solitude than you'd think he would yeah i too would much prefer to spend my time looking at the snails (laughs) indeed (laughs) indeed um yeah so my big thing about that like going back to that whole comparison thing marie's life like is still going even though it's being occupied by the germans they still have to find ways to relieve themselves from the pressure and that's probably why they keep going to the beach and all that from the fact that there's literally Germans in their town. And- it's funny because Marie is in an occupied town and yet she has more freedoms than the boy who is living living life up in a Hitler youth school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like part of me wants to say that Werner's side of things feels more like a stereotypical thing but like it, at the same time mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. All right, and on that note, we uh, we spent a lot of time on setting. Are we ready to move Let's, on to plot? Yes. See. Yeah. All right, plot. Moving on. Explain the function of contrast within a text. Well, we know that Werner is nothing like Volkheimer and whatever the name is, one and two. Like he is nothing mm-hmm. like them. They are disgusting. Yeah, yeah. You know, they said yeah. some very unnice things. I wish I did not read. You know, <laughs> and they also like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. killed you know like the little girl and her mom you know they had 
no emotion with it. They were like, whatever, you know, but Werner was very upset with it because he saw, you know, Mm -hmm. he always saw the little girl as Utah, you know, and he, it's just very interesting to me that they contrast so much, even though their ages aren't that different, you know, they're only like five years apart at most. But at the same time, I feel like the fact that they're contrasting so much now will make it, it's like a setup to make you make it hurt more when you start seeing those comparisons between them. Yeah. Because I'm just expecting it at this point that Werner's going to start look, sound, acting more and more like them, you know? Yeah. Like he loses Frederick and he gains them. So like he's going to lose like more of what he's like with Frederick, you know, the nicer side and he's going closer to like the meaner, what we don't mm-hmm. want. He's, go- he's going to start leaning yeah. towards what Yuto told him not to become. Yeah, and it definitely feels like that is because of the impact that Frederick has on him, because I feel like as he's losing his friendship with Frederick, he's going to start leaning more into that cold, heartless nature of Volkheimer and 1 and 2 and so on. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got the huge contrast, the, like, pretty much entire book's contrast of uh, uh, Marie and Werner going on. (laughs) <laughs> which we talked kind of about in the setting with their uh, contrasting settings, but it's just the two different, the two different perspectives, the fact that they're so widely different, I feel like works really well for the plot. Yeah. And the huge contrast between them with uh, Werner being considered Werner being a male and being the kind of like the perfect um, German and then you've got Marie who's a girl and she's blind and she's considered like disabled and stuff like that I feel like the fact that they chose to make such two two such different characters is really like interesting it makes you wonder just how exactly that's going to play into the plot later on yeah especially when they meet because that's, that's going to happen <laughs> I'm betting money on it oh yeah all right do we have anything else about plot? Are we willing to move on? All right. Narrator. Identify and describe details, diction, or syntax in a text that reveals a narrator's or speaker's perspective. Von Rumble. Um, yeah, he just definitely, like, simping for the sea of flames, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hardcore simping for it. Oh, yeah, he, he wants it. Meanwhile, Marie's over here playing No Sims September. <laughs> September. <laughs> I, I find it mm-hmm. interesting that once he's like, oh, yes, tumor. Like, once the, like it reveals that he has a tumor, it's just like, kind of shows that he really has nothing to lose when it comes to getting mm-hmm. this, this diamond. Like, he will do anything for it. And it's really interesting that they decided to put that in there because, you know, in the first podcast, we thought he was just trying to get the Sea of Flames to get the Sea of Flames. You know, they were getting a whole bunch of treasures and taking it to Hitler as like a weird offering kind of thing. And we thought that was just what he was doing. But now that they've kind of revealed this fact about him, it changes his perspective on the diamond and it changes his motive for getting the diamond. Because, I mean, the Keeper of the Diamond is supposed to live forever, and he is all about that. Yeah, I was not expecting it for personal reasons. I definitely thought it was a, I must do this for my country, I must do this for my leader. I was not, definitely not expecting it to be like, nah, I just don't want to die. Because, I mean, when, yeah, because, I mean, well, his perspective, it didn't show, it didn't really reveal, 
why he wanted it in that pers- in his perspective until this thing happened. Mm-hmm. It kind of was kept hidden, which I mean goes along with. Well, it goes along with like his motives changing as he learns in- new information. Same with us. How what we're thinking their motives are, are is changing as we learn new information. So it works really yeah. well. It explains why he's going after the one. You also start to see. Sorry. I said it really explains why he's just going after the one thing. Like, there's all kinds of other stuff that could be worth so much more. Like, could be, like, so much more important, but you want a stone. You also start to see him lose it as time goes on. But, like... (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) He's starting to... He's went through all three. All of them were fake. He's more pissed. And, I mean, he's just got no cares anymore. He's He's just going. Like, you can tell he's... He's a man on the brink of death, and he is running from it with everything he's got. Symbols, Symbols. question mark? Symbols. Right. Identify and explain the function of an image or imagery. Okay, can we talk about how creepy it is that Werner keeps seeing, like, Juta either, like, dead or the people in the orphanage dead? Like, that's just creepy, bro. You know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like he he definitely is not having a good time. No. <laughs> I feel like this section is like Werner's I don't want to say his emo phase, however. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely his he's having he's having a huge guilt trip. This whole section is just him having yeah, that yeah. guilt yeah. trip. Guilt trip for sure. Existential crisis. Like it starts with Frederick and then like the mom and the girl in the closet and then and then, like, he stops talking to his sister and later is like, huh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, maybe she's dead. Yeah, and, like, has some mild regrets about the radio. Which is weird because, I mean, it's strange to see him so, I'm not going to say, like, against the German influence or anything, but the fact that he's standing so strong kind of against it, you know what I yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. And he's not just kind of filing in line with the other boys. It's really interesting because you don't usually see that when you get it like a kid's perspective in a, in like the war or anything, or you get like a German soldier's expect- perspective. I think it's really good for um, like his character arc personally, but I also think it's kind of weird because I mean you've got this character who's probably going to go out and kill some people later, <laughs> like if he like doesn't get like stopped or anything. Yeah. And you're just like you're humanizing him so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way when I read when like Von Rumpel pops up or uh, Vol- Volkenheim or whatever his name is pops up. I'm just like, Ugh. I don't want to like don't these people. Stop making some human. So in the present, present, you know, the presidentist president that we have in the book, where they're like dealing with the aftershock of a whole bunch of yeah. bombs, right? What do you guys think the little model house that Marie has, what do you guys think that's supposed to symbolize? Because I 100% think that it's a symbol. I mean, it's a symbol for... I think it's honestly a symbol for safety. Yeah, like security? Yeah, because it's a model Mm -hmm. of the house that they're currently living in. It's the thing that's keeping the sea of flames safe. It's where Marie has lived since they moved to Samalo. And it's also mm-hmm. one of the only things she has left of her father that she knew, you know. Like, he specifically made it for her, yeah. and it took him forever, you know. I- I'm sure like, it's got to have some meaningful, sentimental value to her. It's a symbol of comfort and familiarity, yeah. yeah. 
Um, the house mm-hmm. is definitely a symbol for safety and like security and all that fun jazz. But she low key kind of hates it because it's housing the thing that she knows is probably the going to kill her and her family. You know, right. she hates it, but right. at the same time, if it- she doesn't want to leave it. Like I'm sure she probably has saw it a couple of times about straight up smashing that little house. Oh yeah. I said she hates it, but at the same time, you know, she doesn't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we ready to move on to comparisons? Our final category, final category. C. C. All right. Mm-hmm. Identify and explain the function of an illusion. Okay, anyway. well, we know <laughs> that illusions are, <laughs> are references to literary things, you know, such as mythology and books and such. And so... Mm-hmm. Well, with Marie, you know, she's been reading A Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, you know, and ATN gets her her Braille copies again. She's hell happy. But that book has been in All the Light We Cannot See for, like, so long, and she constantly... It's literally been in there since, yeah, like, yeah, And I think it's interesting that she keeps it's mentioning it. it. It's a thing of safety for her. Because you can tell that she wants to be on that ship with Captain Nemo. She wants to be somewhere else other than where she's at right at this moment. You know, she definitely. Although I, I also feel like for her, it's a, it's a thing of exploration and bravery and her fullest self. Because she talks about it a lot, talking about going and seeing these things, seeing the ship and stuff like that. And. You could take that as her, like, imagining them in her mind, but you could also take it as she wants to be able to experience these things. She wants to go on these wild adventures and not have to be afraid of, what if I fall down some stairs because I don't know that they're there. Yeah, the books definitely allow her to be in a world where she can see, you know, without actually being in any danger. I feel like that's really why they chose A Thousand Leagues Under the Sea specifically to allude to so much. Because, I mean, they had a couple of other ones there. There was a couple of other books that she read in the beginning that they could have chosen. So the fact that they specifically chose this book is obviously important for some reason. And I think it's because A Thousand Leagues Under the Sea is a book about leaving behind what you've known to see, to find out new things that you would have never, never known about had you not stepped out of your comfort yeah. zone. And I feel like with Marie, that's something super huge for her especially when she's doing kind of like these wild things, like going out and trying to memorize an entire town using a model. And even when she's doing some of the, like the more darker stuff, like she's hiding from Von Rumpel or she's just feeling lonely and wishing she could go outside. I also feel, I mean, this might not be true, but I think that something that helps her with a thousand leagues under the, are based in a submarine. Like they can't go outside of the submarine, but they are still exploring similar to how she still explores the right, town yeah. even though she is stuck in, safely in her house you know that is a fantastic point dude i didn't Thank even think you. about I that i just thought of it <laughs> <laughs> and when she does leave the house like she she doesn't go by herself if she yeah, leaves the she house. has her companions yeah she has her quote-unquote captain also Nemo. okay Thank you for listening to four people <laughs> one brain cell anyways to whoever has been listening, 
thank you for listening to Four Peeps One Brain Cell. I'm sorry that we only have one brain cell. Like I said, this has been Ashley, Sydney, Max, and Haley, and we are signing out. Dude.